We're in a series called Dream On. Say Dream On. Dream On. Dream on. I remember asking a girl if she wanted to go out with me. Her response was, dream on. And I'm saying, I thought, so I'm saying you're, there's a chance? And she's like, no, that means no, we're not. You dream on, you know. But I, what, that did not stop me from continuing to, to stalk this girl. And eventually Jody would give in, my wife, and uh, we would be married. It's awesome. She's not in here, so I can talk about her a lot. She's serving in our kids' ministry. And uh, Jody's amazing. I mean, the story, we, uh, the story of our lives is only God can put that together. But uh, <laughs> dream on. This, this series was literally birthed out of the fact that I believe that, I don't believe, I know that God has a dream for you, but yet I believe that so many people today aren't living their dream. They're not. They, they're, something has happened. They look at other people's lives and, and, and other, other people's successes and their stories and their triumphs and their Instagram and their Facebook and they think, okay, things are good for them, but this is the way it is for me. This is just the way it is and this is just the way it's going to be. But God is, God is showing us something in this series, and he's going sh- to show up today in a mighty way, I promise you. If, if this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. I mean that. I'm so excited that you're here. And uh, man, if you come back to the party, welcome back. God is in this house, and he is going to move. Dream on. Say dream on. I just got to hear it again. Dream on. And, and the reason why I'll tell you that so many people I think have lost their dream is because life happens. Like when we're young... We have, we, kids can dream, they write down what they want to be, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be um, a doctor, I'm going to be an astronaut, you know what you wrote down in second grade, and those are the dreams that kids dream, and then they get older, and life smacks you alongside the face, and all of a sudden the dream becomes a reality, because that's what a slap will do, we talked about that last week, and all of a sudden we're facing reality, and our expectation isn't what we're living. The expectation of what we thought God was going to do isn't what God's doing. We expect something so good, and then we taste it, and it's not good. We're in a series called Dream On. You've heard that a few times. You're going to hear it a few more. Last week, uh, if you weren't here, um, you missed a story about a guy named Jacob. Jacob, um, his, his dad was Isaac, and his dad was Abraham. And Jacob had a dream. God gave Jacob a dream. And in the dream we learned last week, we learned something about God the God of Jacob and the God of you. That this God is a promise maker and he is a promise keeper. This is what God showed us last week. If you missed last week or if this is your first time, subscribe to our YouTube, man. You can watch all of our messages to bring you up, but it was so powerful what what God showed us. Today we continue along Jacob's story, but it's not about Jacob today. It's about one of his kids. You see, Jacob had 12 sons. Say vasectomy. See, yeah, Jacob couldn't, he couldn't say it. He didn't know it. He didn't know what that was. Twelve kids. Twelve. And, and the youngest was a guy named Joseph. Now, this isn't the same Joseph like in the New Testament. There's Joseph that was married to Mary, you know, the stepdad of Jesus. This isn't him. This is, this is thousands of years earlier. This is a different Joseph. Joseph's the youngest of all these brothers, And he's the youngest, and this means he's the best looking. This means he's the smartest. He's the funniest, because that's the way God orchestrates all that. You get that? Youngest of six right here, youngest of six. Anyway, so he's the youngest. And the thing about Joseph, he's a dreamer. That's what he's known as. He is a dreamer. Tell your neighbor, I'm a dreamer. Tell your neighbor, I'm a dreamer. Tell him, I'm a dreamer. You know, I'm a dreamer, but my heart's a gold. 
They told me, never sing on stage, cause you'll all want to go home. But I've locked the doors, I've locked the doors, no going home. Huh? Spirit of Motley Crue is in this place today. What? We got to get back to some scriptures, okay? <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, you never know what you're going to get here at Meadows Church. Um, Genesis, let's get into God's word, should we? Something a little crazy. Genesis uh, chapter 37. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. The word Genesis itself means beginning, hence the first book of the Bible. Genesis 37, we're going to look at that. We're going to start in the first verse, and this is so key. As you go there in a mobile device or your Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen as well. This is, this is, this is critical to Joseph. See, Joseph's going to have a dream, just like God's given you a dream. Let's see what God does with it. It starts out by saying in verse 1, So Jacob settled in the land of Canaan, where his father Isaac lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. It says, When this youngest kid, Joseph, was 17 years old, he often tended to his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. I mean, you, should, you better never complain about your first name, okay? Never, okay? But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Right? Big surprise. This is what younger siblings do, right? We narc. We narc on our older brothers and sisters. That's what, I was the youngest of six. I am the youngest of six. And that's what you do. But I got to a point in my, and by the way, as a parent, a parent always appreciates a little informant in the house running around, don't we? It, it's valuable stuff, man. You get information that you could not otherwise get. It's huge. But I got to a point when I grew up um, that I was starting to do things that I didn't want mom to know about. And then my sister, who's older than me, turned into the informant. I hated that. See, I hated that. The roles were reversed. And we're hanging out one day at home. And I was in high school, and I'm hanging out with a couple buddies. And we're drinking some beer, doing some things we shouldn't do, getting kind of loud and rowdy. I mean, I wasn't, but my friends were. You get it. So we're at my house, and my sister is trying to do homework. And my sister is going crazy, getting mad at us for being loud. And she's like, you guys better leave, otherwise I'm going to call the cops. And I'm like, normally I'd brush that off. But once in a while, I see the look of crazy in my sister's eyes. And when I see crazy coming out, I get out. And I told my guys, I said, she, she ain't playing. She ain't playing. She grabbed the phone, and we took off out of the house, got in the car. We literally get spot six, seven blocks from our house. We're pulled over by a cop. She called the cops. I mean, this is proof my sister was not walking with Jesus at this time. Not. At, who does that? You call the cops on your brother? I mean, I still need counseling for all that's gone down in my house. But... I couldn't believe it. She called the cops on us. Some of you are thinking, man, you, you, a lot of your stories revolve around you getting pulled over. It's, yeah, they do. You get used to it. I've got a lot more. So it's, but that's the power of God, that he can change somebody so dysfunctional, so messed up. Only the power of Jesus. Only the power of Jesus. So Joseph is telling on his brothers. It gets worse for Joseph. You, if you thought they didn't like him already, check out verse 3. It says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other kids. Okay, this isn't good, Dad. He loves him more because Joseph was born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob gave Joseph a special gift, a beautiful robe. Now, parents, you know that when you give one kid a special gift and the other kid doesn't get it, that's bad news, okay? We can, like, we've gotten to the point now, though, it's ridiculous. The gifts have to be equal. we got to spend the same amount of money. Otherwise, they're all mad and crazy on Christmas morning. You spent $30 on her and 50 on me. I'm like, first of all, how do you know how much I spent? Well, I went to Amazon and I just saw what it was worth. I'm like, okay, first of all, you got too much time on your hands if you're doing that. Secondly, you know what we'll do next Christmas? I'll send the same on both of you. Zero. That way, everybody's happy and dad is fair. 
care, okay? Anyway, so he got him a special robe. Now, what you need to know about the robe that Jacob got, or that Joseph got, the, the, the brothers knew it was special from the start because everybody, almost everybody in this day and age would have a robe. It was very common. They wouldn't just use it to wear it. They would use it to wrap things in, carry. They would use it to sit on. They, it was like multi-purpose. So robes were very common. But a common robe in this day would be short sleeve to the knee, very standard. This was not short sleeve to the knee robe. This was a long sleeve robe that he got. This was to the floor. It was lush. It was beautiful. The Bible says it was ornamental, which means it stood out. And make no mistake, what that symbolized when Jacob gave his son that robe, it symbolized a ruler. Because this is what royalty would wear. Not a shepherd, not people that tend the sheep. This is what somebody very important would wear. So the brothers see this, and it ticks them off even more. So, so they go from anger to hatred. And you're going to hear the word hate a few times in these next verses. Verse 4, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest. They couldn't say a kind word to the guy. One night, here we go, Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated, there it is again, they hated him even more. And you can kind of get it because this is how he says it. Joseph says, listen to my dream. We're all out in the field and we're tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stands up tall, and your bundles gather all around my bundle. They bow before mine. Okay, Joseph, this is why you have no friends, okay? You don't, don't talk like that. You're just going to make people mad. And they were mad. His brothers responded, you think you're going to be our king? You think we're going to bow below you? And they're mad. They hate, again, the third time now in a few verses, and they hated him all the more because his dream, because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. It, so this isn't the first time he's brought up his dreams. They say dreams. He's, and, and Joseph's not done. He brings up another one in verse 9. Soon Joseph had another dream. Great. And again, he, he told his brothers about it. I can picture Joseph just standing up at the dinner table. I have another dream. And they're grabbing their force, getting ready to stab him. And this is what he says. Listen. I had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars, 11 brothers bowed low before me. This time he told his dream to his father as well as his brothers. His father scolded him, saying, what kind of a dream is that? You, you think your mother and I and your brothers are actually going to come and bow to the ground before you? And listen to what he says. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. Now, if you were here last week, you heard about Jacob's dream. And if you weren't, I'll tell you a little bit that I told you God spoke to Jacob in the dream. God, God told Jacob who he was in the dream. So now, now his son is having dreams and, and his father's thinking, hmm, maybe there's something to that. Because he's wondering, he's pondering what it meant. He's not liking what it meant, but he's thinking, is there something to that, God? Because you spoke to me in a dream. And the brothers, what's weird about the brothers is they're infatuated with his dream. Like they're beyond, they, they're so upset. Hate, hate, hate. They keep using it. And it's just a dream. It's not reality. But he's sharing a dream and they're, they're beside themselves about it. Why? Do you know why they are, I believe? Why they're so focused and fixated on his dream? What it made them do is forget about their dream. This is what it did. In other words, the 11 brothers, do you think they had dreams? Do you think they were dreaming at night? I bet they were. 
But we hear nothing about their dreams. Do you know why? They're not speaking about their dreams because they're so worried about Joseph's dream. They all have dreams. God has plans for all of them. But they're so fixated on Joseph, they're missing their dream. They're missing it all because they want his. They're jealous of his. I want to live yours. And God's like, why are you so worried about his when I got something as good for you? And sometimes this is, this is the comparison game. And this is the message today. That, that when comparison begins in our life, this is when the dream ends. It's when your dream ends and my dream ends. And I see it all the time in the lives of people. Either bitterness because of what somebody gets to do or, or how blessed they are, and I'm not. Or they're doing what I want to do and I want to live their dream. And God's like, you don't need their dream. You need your dream. When comparison begins, the dream ends. We do it all the time, if we're honest. I do too. We compare families, we compare kids, we compare jobs, compare Facebook, because that's all reality. Um, and uh, it's crazy. And it, it takes us backwards big time. We compare spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends. That's dangerous territory right there, okay? You start comparing a boyfriend and a girlfriend, oh my gosh. Gosh, I don't know what your problem is. My, my last girlfriend likes to go to the Mission Impossible movies. I mean, dude, by you making that statement, your, your mission of having a girlfriend just became impossible. So, I mean, seriously? And guys, sometimes I'd like to give you bonus content. Um, I'll give you some right now. So, and I feel like I shouldn't have to say things like this, but there's always somebody. Maybe you're the newlywed or you're engaged or whatever, but never. Say never. 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 Never compare your girlfriend or your wife with your mother, okay? Do not do that. Dangerous territory. Well, sweetie, I like your chili. It's okay, but it doesn't taste like my mom's. Oh, oh, you want your mom's chili, do you? I have an idea. How about you go back and move in with your freaking mom? There's an idea for you, right? But as long as you live in this house, you're going to eat this chili. And you're going to love this chili. And if you don't love it, you're going to lie to me and tell me that you love it. Otherwise, you're going to be wearing it. Okay? Now pass the crackers. Jeez. We got Comparing is a dangerous game, guys. Don't get into that. My gosh, I'm just trying to help you. I'm here. When comparison begins, the dream ends. And sometimes your life ends, okay? Just be careful. Here's the deal, and, I, and, and this is so key. Here's what you need to understand about comparison. Comparison is either going to make you feel inferior or superior. It's what it does. When you compare yourself to somebody else, you're going to either feel superior, Joseph. Joseph felt superior to his brothers. Why? Because he compared himself to them. Look at me, I'm up here, and you're going to be down there. Bad news. That doesn't honor God. Do you know what else the brothers did? They compare themselves to Joseph. Now they feel inferior. They feel less than. Again, it doesn't honor God. Neither way you win. This is what God wants us to know. How many times in life do we miss the blessings that God has for us? Because we're so focused on the blessings that he's given someone else. Think about that. Think about that. Don't spend so much time on someone else's Facebook feed that you forget that God has something for you that's way better than the false things that you're looking at. Way better. We, and plus this, I added this. We cannot faithfully follow Jesus if we're always comparing ourselves to somebody else. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Because when you're so focused on what God has given someone else, you, you, you render yourself hopeless to what God wants to give you. 
When you focus on what God has given someone else, you cannot leverage what God has given you. And today, God has given you a dream. He wants you to go after your dream. He wants you to live your dream. He wants you to chase your dream because it's yours. Does anybody believe in a dream today? He wants you to dream again. It's, he's bigger than you think he is. He's better than you think he is. Man, he, the title, finally you're gonna get the full title of the message. Live your dream. You don't need to live anybody else's dream. You don't need to focus on anybody else and what they have or what they don't have so you can feel good or you can feel bad. Focus on what God has given you. If we just did that, God would blow your doors off. He would. He would. Let's get back to Joseph, can we? I'm going to take you to verse 18. So what's happened now in the meantime, the, the, the brothers are back out in the field now, and Jacob is sending Joseph out there, probably to inform, check on him, tell him, I don't know. But he's sending, sending Joseph back out there. Verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in a distance. Do you know why they recognized Joseph coming? Because he's wearing his robe. The guy's wearing his robe in the field in, with the sheep. I mean, this, Joseph makes, he's a hard guy to love, isn't he? Here he is walking in the pasture dressed like a pimp. I mean, he, that's, if Joseph wrote, wrote a book, it would be, I, that's, who does these things? There's a reason his brothers want to take him out, and you hear it right here. The next, the next sentence says, as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Like, they're so mad right now. You see, unchecked hate, it, or anger, turns into hate. And hate will bring you to a point where you'll do things that you'll regret, I promise you. This anger that boiled up in the sons, or in the, in the boys, it turned to hate big time. And it was left unchecked, and now they want to kill him. They want to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into the pits. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of the guy's dreams. See, when we can't live our dreams, we'll do everything we can to squash somebody else's. Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. I've done it. I've done it. But today's a new day. Say it's a new day. It's a new day. I hope you believe that. It's a new day regardless of where you've been or what you've done. Regardless of what you're going through right now. God has brought you to his house today because he wants to speak life and truth and love into your life. It is a new day. It is a new day. So check this out. Comparison. I wrote this down and I, I want to read it just how I wrote it. Comparison. It causes inward pain when we see others succeed. Okay? Comparison causes inward pain when we see others succeed. And it produces inward satisfaction when we see others fail. It, that is so huge. If that's happening to you, you're caught in the game or the dangerous game of comparison. And you'll never live out your dream comparing yourselves to others. You won't do it. I always told you that as your pastor, I would be vulnerable with you. I would be open with you because I struggle like you do. This, this happened to me not that long ago. See, as a pastor, we can be the worst. As churches, we can be the worst with the comparison game. I mean, all this pressure to reach people and grow and do all this stuff. And it's, it's, it's like anything. And I'm, I'm going through Facebook and I see a feed from a church. And Omaha, I'm just going to say it, we've got some incredible churches in Omaha. Incredible. One of the things I fell in love with when I moved here is there's an organization called Within Reach. It's like 40 plus churches that partner together, and Meadows is one of them, and we just partner with other churches. Because I'm not about like just Meadows Church. I just don't believe we're the end all. 
I'm about the God's global church. I believe that's the end all. That's the church that Jesus died for. So I say that, but then I have, to, I have to eat my words a little bit and get humble before you and tell you that as I saw this post from another church, it was amazing. Like hundreds of people got baptized on this day. Thousands of people are gathered around celebrating. And, it's a, and, and I went there and I brought my cursor over to like it and I paused. It's embarrassing to even tell you that. It's embarrassing to even say that I would pause in liking something like that. But comparison can get me too. And the, and the thought crossed my mind, man, what a, that'd be awesome for Meadows. And God quickly intervened, and God's like, Monty, do you even, you, sometimes when you compare yourself to somebody else, we're not even in the same ballpark of, of even comparison. You're, you're comparing something to apples to oranges, you would say, wouldn't you? He's like, Monty, how long have you been at church? I'm like, not even 11 months. You know, how long have they been at church? Or them, they've been at church. And even if you've been at church the same amount of time and they have double the people, double the salvations, and double the baptisms, you can't celebrate that? You can't celebrate me working in another church and moving lives? And you want me to bless your church? And I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. I love it, I love it, I love it. You know? I'm like, dang, God. I did like it. I'm just, I'm just, it's just sad and embarrassing to tell you that it took me a few seconds to like it. Because I have to do a heart check. Because we're not going to be that church. We will, Meadows is going to be a church that will celebrate any church lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Meadows will be a church celebrating any church baptizing people in the name of Jesus. Any church that, where people are giving their lives to Christ, we will celebrate that all day long. This is the church that we are. It isn't just about Meadows. It is about God reaching people for Jesus. Because we live in a world that is desperate for hope. They're desperate for truth. They're desperate for change. And the church is the place. The church is the organism. The church is the bride of Christ that can bring them the thing that they crave all along. This is Jesus' church. Jesus said he'd build his church. This is his church. We are his people. You are his church. Man, let's continue. Verse 21. But when Reuben, the oldest brother, heard the scheme that they wanted to kill him, he came to Joseph's rescue. He says, let's not kill him, guys. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him in an empty pit in the wilderness. Then he'll die without us laying a hand on him. I mean, just when you thought Reuben was being a decent guy, he turns out to be the biggest jack wagon we've ever met. But, 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 before we, before we judge Reuben too harshly, we got to keep reading. Say keep reading. We got to keep reading. Because, because the next sentence says this. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to the father. That's key. We're going to come back to that. Verse 23. So when Joseph, when Joseph arrived, his brothers, they ripped off the very thing that represented what Jacob gave them. The very, very thing that, that would make his dream come true. They ripped it off. It's the first thing they wanted to get rid of, his robe. They ripped it off of him, the, the robe he was wearing. They grabbed him. They threw him in the pit. Says the pit was empty, there was no water in it, but Joseph was now in it. Then it says they they, they sat down to eat. Okay? Because that's normal. It's normal to strip your brother naked, chuck him in a hole, and then, hey, let's have some Chick-fil-A, should we? You know what? <laughs> what? But but this is what sin will do. It is what sin does. I mean, you become callous, don't you? You, you, you become jaded. You, you don't even know you're talking that way anymore. You don't even know what you're saying to me anymore. You don't even know the, the, the look on your face anymore. You've done it so often. You become so accustomed to it. The things you do and the things I do, right? We, 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 uh, 
Anger left unchecked leads to hate. Hate left unchecked, soon you're doing things that you never dreamed you would do. This is, this is, where, the, this is where the brothers were. They sit down to eat. They looked up, and this isn't normal either. They looked up and saw a caravan of camels coming. Because that happens back back in this day. In the distance, coming toward them, it's a group of Ishmaelite traders taking loads of spices, balm, and myrrh from Gilead to Egypt. Judah, another brother, speaks up. Judah says, what are we going to gain by killing Joseph? So here's another brother speaking up on behalf of Joseph. We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. How compassionate, right? Wow, your heart. Um, And his brothers agreed. So when the traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the pit, sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. End of story. And some of you are thinking, wait a minute, the end of the story? I mean, Joseph had a dream. Joseph was going to do great things, and now he's literally been sold for dead anyway. They know they'll never see him again. Like he's sold to traitors. That can't be how the story ends. It's like how you feel when you watch Avengers Infinity War. You're like, what? That's how it ends? Yeah, you just, but I'm twisted. I kind of like when they end all weird. My wife, my wife is like, you need counseling. I'm like, I know, I get it, sweetie, but I kind of like when the bad guy wins once in a while. I kind of, I'm warped that way, so pray for your pastor. But I'm just telling you, we look at this and we think, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And I bet Joseph was thinking the same thing as he's getting hauled away in chains. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. This isn't the way it was supposed to be when I took the bite and it didn't taste like it was supposed to taste. That's what Joseph was thinking. And some of you in your life when you walked in here today, that's where you're at. Ready? You ready for this? You walked in here thinking, there's an area of my life, this was not how it was supposed to be. I was not supposed to be at this point with my finances, and now I'm upside down. How did it happen? I was not supposed to be in these constant fights with my spouse, but that's all we do. My kids are supposed to be doing the right thing and want to do their homework and want to do this and and be this way, and they're the exact opposite. I'm single at my age? Are you kidding me? I was supposed to be married, have like three kids by now. And I I might die alone. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. But God wasn't done with Joseph. And God is not done with you. Just because things are not going your way doesn't mean they're not going God's way. Okay? Remember that. You're in this place today. You're in church. Praise Jesus Christ, you're here. He brought you here. God's not done with you. Joseph's dream was still alive because Joseph was still alive. And for the person in this place today that you walked in here with parts of your soul dead and your dream that was dead, I'm here to declare on behalf of Jesus that if you're still breathing, God's still moving. And he didn't bring you this far to only come this far. We're believing for you and me that the best is yet because it is you have a dream you have a dream God has a dream for you and he brought you here because he desperately wants you to grab a hold of it and know the love of your father boy I pray that you feel the love of Jesus Christ right now where you sit from your feet up to your head that you feel his presence in you he is so in love with you in love with Joseph and his brothers. And you may think, what? 
By the way, the story of Joseph is continued next week. Just so you know, there's more dreams coming. There's more drama coming. Can't wait to be back with you. But until then, I got to share something with you. Something that I kind of missed until I got to this message again this week preparing for you. We get on Joseph's brothers because they were like complete jerks, right? I mean, come on. Joseph was a mess. Yeah, he was audacious. Yeah, he was a braggart. But man, they, were, they, they wanted to kill him. But yet there were two brothers that we learned that spoke up. And their intentions weren't all the best, but at least they did something. They did something. Reuben, remember the first guy that spoke up? What's crazy about Reuben speaking up? He's the oldest brother. Do you know what that would mean? It means he's the heir to the throne. Reuben's supposed to get the robe. Reuben's supposed to get the covenant family blessing. But Reuben knew very well that when Joseph got that robe, it wasn't Reuben's anymore. But yet he's the first brother to speak up and say, let's not kill him. Why did he do that? Thank God for Reuben. Joseph, if it wasn't for Reuben, Joseph's dream would be dead. He would be dead. Then Judah. Judah speaks up. Another brother says the same thing. Let's not kill him. I mean, he's not, again, his heart isn't pure. But at least he said something. And because, because Judah did what he did, Joseph's dream is still alive. But what if they weren't, I mean, what if, he, what if, what if, what if Joseph was alone in all of it? Well, Joseph would be screwed. Joseph's dream would be done. Because Joseph needed his brothers to keep the dream alive. He needed them. Like, I need you. And you need me. And we need each other. It's why we're a church that we do life together. At least we, we want to. That's why we talk about life groups. I love Kendra up here. Kendra leads our life groups, and it's amazing. And we, we point people to them for this very reason. It's in times of desperation that you realize you can't do life alone. Well, I do life with people, but are they truly lifting you up closer to Jesus? Or do you get together and gossip and talk and whatever, do things maybe that don't bring you closer to Jesus? I get you might be surrounded with people. I surrounded myself with a lot of people. We did a lot of drugs. We did a lot of stupid things. Nothing. Jesus was not a part of any of it. And then I found a church where people like welcome you as dysfunctional as you are. And they said, welcome home. Let's do life together. And I'm like, do you know what you're asking? Reuben and Judah spoke up. We need each other so desperately. <laughs> I, I was 11 or 12 years old when I went to youth camp. I hate camp. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Hey. Maybe that's why I hate camping. I don't know if I correlate youth camp with camp. I don't know. Whatever. So I go to this youth camp at 11 or 12, and I couldn't swim at the time. Hadn't learned to swim yet. Went with two friends of mine from a small town, and we go to this camp two and a half hours away from home, and the first day we're there, I, I already hate it. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I want to go home. And my buddy's encouraging me. Again, you need people in your life. He's encouraging me. And we're going to do canoeing the first day. So we throw on these life jackets. But they're not the nice ones. They're like the, the old orange ones that, you, you know, they just are up here. And you got to strap them here. And so all the cool kids are just strapping them here. But none of them are tying them here. And I'm like, well, I want to be cool, but I don't want to die. So, um, so I'm sitting there, and my buddy comes up. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? Because he knew I couldn't swim, and I didn't want no one to know. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. He goes, well, tie your jacket. I'm like, all right. So I tie it up here. I'm like, yeah, I'll tie it. And he was in a different canoe, so I get in a canoe with these guys I didn't know, and we're in this canoe, and all of a sudden, you know, boys, uh, another canoe comes by, and they start, like, hitting our canoe, and I'm like, are you a psychopath? What are you doing? And I'm gripping the sides. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. If I, if I, 
If I could have took my hands off, I would have grabbed an orange, swatted them, but I was too scared. I was like, gonna die. And then the kids in our canoe start doing this. I'm like, oh God, well, I knew it. The devil is in this place. And sure enough, with the pounding and the end the, of the this, we flip the canoe. The canoe literally flips over. I'm underneath the canoe, under the water, doing this to get up. And I finally come out to the side of the canoe and, the, and my life jacket is off. The bottom of my life jacket came undone and the only thing that's holding me up is, is the tie right here. It's catching my chin. That's it. That's the only thing that's holding me up. Remember what I said? My buddy's like, hey, tie, tie, tie up. Thank God for people in our lives that love us. Only thing. I just sat there still. I'm like, don't move, don't move, don't move. You know, I was just freaking out, sticking out my tongue just in case the chin, you know, whatever. So I was so freaked out. So that didn't help my thought of camp. I mean, I was miserable. So this day gets done, I get to the next day, and now I'm bawling uncontrollably because I'm homesick. I'm like, oh my gosh. So here's this kid who's missing home and bawling, and we're out doing this kumbaya moment with the group, and I'm like, oh, buy some tree. I'm like, this is torture. But we're out there, and uh, a, kid, a kid's making fun of me. One of the kids is like, you know, making fun of me, not being able to swim, and plus I'm bawling and all this. And one of my buddies, Clyde, never forget it. One of my friends, Clyde, that was from my town, comes up to the kid and grabs him and says, you better shut your mouth, otherwise I'll shut it for you. And I was like, in the name of Jesus, shut that mouth. Yes. Woo! In the name of Jesus, knock him out. You know? I was like, yes. And, and, and he just stuck up for me. And, and him doing that got me to Wednesday. Now I'm halfway through the week. And you're, and you're wanting to be like, okay, you got to Thursday and Friday? No, my mom had to come get me on Wednesday. It's just, I'm not kidding. No, I bawled on Wednesday. I bawled, so I don't know who wanted my mom to get there more. Me or the counselors. They're like, get here, Mrs. Gannon. This kid's driving us crazy. But the only way I made it to Wednesday, the only way was with those guys in my life. It's the only way. I would have left Monday. I think back, you know, it's funny. I think back and wonder why I was so desperately homesick. Like, why, why were these other kids bawling like me? Am I just this wuss, you know? Well, yeah, kind of. But anyway, so... Uh, I, uh, I shared last week that my father passed away unexpectedly when I was 10. So I went to camp when I was 11. Maybe 12, but I think it was 11. And I reflect back on that. Now I know. Then I didn't know. Then I, then I just thought, well, I'm a wuss. I just get homesick. I'm just a mama's boy. The reality was I had just lost my father. And I felt so desperately alone. And my biggest fear in that camp was that my mom was going to die while I was gone. That's all I could think about. She's going to die. I'm going to be alone. I, I'm going to be alone. I don't want to be alone. I was so fearful of it. So fearful of it. I'm like, I don't want to lose my mom. I didn't tell them that, but I know looking back now, being older, I was so scared. Now I get it, God. It's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. I need you and you need me. I needed Clyde. I needed my friends. I was so freaked out. So scared. Times of desperation remind me I can't do life alone. They remind Joseph he can't do life alone. We will not live our dream if we're not connected to others in community. It's why there's life group cards on your chairs. I hope you'll consider a life group if you're not in one. Those are just small groups that meet during the week. We get together and we do life. We love each other. We cry with each other. We laugh with each other. It's just doing life together. You're not committing to anything. You're just saying, hey, give me a call. Let me know what it is. But God says it's not good for man to be alone. And God would send a son named Jesus Christ 
because we, without God, we're alone. You might be surrounded by a room full of people. It don't matter. You're alone in your heart. You're alone in your soul. You're alone. And God said, I will send Jesus Christ, my son, the ultimate sacrifice to come for you and me and to die for us. I was telling a gal when she came in here, I said, I'm the guy that had all the head knowledge of Jesus. I just had no heart relationship, nothing. There were, and you can't tell me I was saved. But this is why God would send Jesus Christ to save you and I from ourselves, from our sin, from our loneliness, from our, from our dysfunction, from our mess, from our comparison, from our anger, from our hate. This is why Jesus would come to say, I love you. And if you surrender to me, if you give your life to me, I will come into your life, I'll come into your heart, and I will make you new. Because this is what Jesus does. He's in the business of doing it. And for the person here today that you're alone in your heart or your soul, I'm begging you in the name of Jesus, surrender your life to Christ. We'll have a prayer team up here shortly. They want to pray with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to walk with you. And I mean it with all my heart as your pastor. I desperately want to do life with you. I do. I'm not interested in just coming up here on a Sunday and saying we're going to preach a message for an hour or whatever and we're going to go home and do our own thing. I want to do life with you. I want to meet with you during the week. I want to love you. I want to pray with you. Fill out the prayer request. That's what they're for. You need prayer so do I. I want to do life with you. I want to, we, and when I say I, I'm talking us, the church, the global church wrapping around each other, loving each other. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. God is moving I pray he's moving in your heart. All your job is, all your job is responding to him and doing whatever he's telling you to do. Heavenly Father, I lift up everybody in this place. I thank you for your word and your truth and your love and your life. I thank you that we can learn from guys like Joseph who had a dream just like we have a dream. My dream for us today, my dream is that everybody lives out their dream. God, I don't want to live anybody else's dream. I don't want to get to the end of my life and think, you know what, you missed it. You're so focused on her and him that you missed what it was about for you. Today, God, I'm asking you to intervene in our hearts. Show us the dream that you have for us. And may we pursue it with all of our heart. We didn't come here to check church off the list. We came here to be changed by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And for the people here, God, that maybe they've strayed from you, maybe they believe in you, but they haven't sold out to you, today is their day they're going to surrender to you. Today is the day they're going to say, I want to do life with Jesus in me. And others are going to say, I want to do life with other people. I want to get in a life group. I want to just inquire, what is it about? Because the most intimate form of our church is in a small group. In Acts, it says they met together. They shared everything they had. They, 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 they came together. They prayed together. They ate together. They laughed together. They cried together. That's the local church. It's not the building. It's the people. We are your church. We love you. We lift you up in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, God. Draw all people into you right now in this moment. And we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, amen. He's so good to us. Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And know this, God loves you and the best is truly yet to come.